Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe. And this is Season 5, Episode 1 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast, coming to you live from my kitchen, where we're going to listen to some headphones, drink some booze, and talk about nerd stuff. Um, but, man, that was a really bad intro. <laughs> Starting it off strong. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm going for it. Uh, but uh, this, I promise this should be a pretty good show. It uh, should come out on April 4th, uh, 2022. We... Just barely missed April 1st uh, for our, our opening. We're starting a little bit late this year, but uh, that's because you bought a house, right? Yeah, we're almost done signing everything over, and then you know we got to arrange the moves and all that fun stuff. But yeah. uh, What we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at the buckwheat honey, which is in this little snifter here, and that, that we can wait for a little bit. The, this is the apple cider that we did in 2018. 2019 when I first got this house and it's a spiced apple cider I called it the cider (laughs) c-i-d-r get it it's a you know networking joke anyways um I called it the cider cider and um yeah I think I even put a slash 24 at the the end of it like because I was trying to make it like an actual network joke Mm -hmm. but um it has aged for like it's getting pretty close to four years old now. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about it? Malolactic fermentation is definitely complete at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and this was a very simple cider. This was like a proof of concept, kind of like first brew a new location sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's really not that bad. I mean, it's very simple. You know, anything you, you with all your experience now are going to make today is going to be better because it'll have a you know wider breadth of flavors. But what I really like is I remember when we bottled this. It had some off flavors mm-hmm. and some things like that. And most of those have gone away. I mean, I don't remember the ABV on this, but it was 8% plus for us to feel like yeah. we could. It's like, it's like 8%. Yeah. And it's it's completely smooth. Yeah. I mean, there's no bite to it at all. And there's no, it didn't turn to vinegar, which normally yeah. happens with things that are under 10%, uh, and especially if they're just crown capped, because a little bit of air does eventually get in. Yeah. Um, but it, it didn't turn to vinegar. Um, it still has that nice cinnamon brown sugar kind of spiced flavor to it i really i'm surprised i i I didn't even know that these existed and because they exist i have a cider that i did last year Mm -hmm. that uh is basically the same recipe but i've used a couple of new brewing techniques you know given the right nutrients doing a couple other things like that and carbonated it so it's a little bit uh you know mildly carbonated kind of like this one is and since I've got a bottle of that left and a bottle of this, we're going to have a comparison between the two a little bit later on in the season. Oh, yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it, you don't get the opportunity to just run across something that's aged you didn't expect. Because the story behind these is because I was cleaning my house out because we're going to move. We went through um, the bottom of my kitchen shelves that had a couple different like cardboard boxes that had bottles in them from like – you know, when we trade brews back and forth and things like that. And this one was covered. So that might be one of the things that helped it uh, mm-hmm. not vinegar is it was covered up. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's where all those uh, like brown bottles are. And I opened it up and all of the cider was left. Yeah. Because we made two brews. We did a cider and a wine. Uh, yeah, it was and, a mead uh, and a, uh, a, a, a... I think that's right. It was a great mead. It was a great mead. Like yeah, that. it was a pie mead. Mm-hmm. And... That one came out really well when it first came out. It didn't need to eight, so we drank all those. Yep. And then just had for completely forgotten about the cider <laughs> one. So we found like 10, 12 bottles of it just sitting around. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, I sent uh, a couple of those bottles uh, out to our friend Dave, mm-hmm. and he just because I, I was like, dude, don't don't just let them sit around. You need to drink them because I didn't put any preservatives in them. Which I'm surprised that you know nothing happened with this because yeah. I did not put any preservatives yeah. in it. Well, it was a good ABV though. Like yeah. I know you said 10 percent earlier, and I think you're right. It's depending on what you cap it in. You know, if you're going to put it in just like a, a normal bottle, 10 mm-hmm. percent might be there. I've always gone with the rule of 8% in a sealed bottle. So, you know, it's it's at that ABV that as long as they're not getting a lot of exposure, that they can they can sit around. And this is going to grow in 8%. Well, and because it was carbonated, that probably helped a little bit too because the um, the carbonation, like, happened in the bottle. Mm-hmm. It didn't – we didn't carb – like, keg carb it and then yeah. put it into the bottle. So that probably helped it too. Yeah, it does make that gas layer because, you know, the carbon dioxide and all that in there is heavier than the air. So really, to, for it to get exposed to anything, so then we have to displace the carbon dioxide. Right. Yeah. So you just said. Yeah, I'm not sure I would drink a whole glass of it by itself, but I feel like all this needs is like a little bit of mixing. It's like one drop of bitters or like something like that to just kind of open it up a little bit. Because you know we didn't put a whole lot into it when we made it, but I mean the alcohol itself has turned out so nice. You know, well, so that is one thing that happened over four years. The flavors of the spices that were mm-hmm. in it have dissipated yeah. almost. Um, the The apple flavor is so there, uh, and mm-hmm. this was just apple juice and apple juice concentrate and yep. some spices added to it. Um, I I think this should be drunk if you're trying to get the spiciness out of it. You know, the cinnamon, the clove, all that other mm-hmm. stuff. It should be drunk within a year, probably. Yeah, or two. I'd say that's probably right, especially yeah. in that type of bottle. Right, exactly. Now, if you put it in a wine bottle, that'd probably be a bit different. Mm-hmm. But being in a uh, you know twelve ounce beer bottle with a you know oxygen cap on it, that's just not gonna not gonna yeah. do as good. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> yours, but the the one bottle I drank before bringing them over here, the like the plastic interior of the cap had just like like curled up and almost completely dissolved. Yeah, that that well, that's why that's what happens because mm-hmm. they're only meant to be like a year maybe two that they exist um but eh, well we'll see (laughs) we'll see how that goes um well i mean i'm probably i've got like eight more of these i think Mm -hmm. uh did you bring over 12 or six eight it was definitely more than six i don't know if it was all the way to 12 or okay well that i've got i've got at least four more of these Mm -hmm. so i've drank one um because i wanted to see what it was like and then, you know, I, we've had this one, and so I've got a couple more. Um, and so we'll be doing some experiments. We'll try some mixed drinks with it. Uh, we also have the limoncello that we could possibly mix it with to see what happens. So we could do some half-and-half half stuff, like, to see what happens with uh, having a little bit of apple juice, mm. fermented cider stuff. Uh, now, that said, we uh, are going to talk about our Boche, and normally we drink at the beginning and just kind of drink throughout, but I think I'm going to save that till a little bit closer to the end. However, one thing that I would like for you to do is smell, and I have not intentionally smell, smelled this. Now, this is three months old. Uh, no, it's a month old. I'm sorry. It's like a month and a half old. And I've had it, I've got it out in the fridge cold crashing to get all the sediment out of the uh, mix mm-hmm. so that I can rack it off. And uh, it's been oaking for about two weeks. Uh, I put some medium char oak in it. Uh, and um, yeah, so just off the nose, it has a, a very different smell than it did 
two weeks ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just to okay. let you know. Uh, two weeks ago, it was cloudy. It was full of stuff, particulate. Mm-hmm. Um, even up to, like, three days ago, it was cloudy and full of particulate. But I went and I pulled, like, a little sample out of the actual, like, vessel that it's yeah. in. And it was – the flavor was – I don't know how to describe it. It was just kind of off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was very, um, uh, it was very sour, uh, like a nutty sour Mm -hmm. kind of ness to it. I'd be interested to see what it's like now. Okay. Uh, So just giving you like a kind of heads up. It smells really good. It's Mm -hmm. got this very sweet, like kind of earthy smell to it. I mean, if you almost think about like kind of what things like scotches smell like. Yeah. But if you just like made that a sweet smell instead of that kind of more spicy smell, yeah, like a, a peaty scotch, kind yeah, of, something yeah, something like that. Yeah, so you, it's it's a little bit more earthy and and things like that. But it's got like a a sweetness to it. Like um, sometimes when you go out and you've got like uh, certain types of freshly turned up mud or something like that. That doesn't sound appetizing, but it's, the smell is there. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, it smells maybe a little bit less like mud, which for us in North Carolina is close to the same. It almost smells like a little bit like fresh clay. Yeah, that was exactly what I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Fresh red clay. Yep. That's what it smells like. It's got that kind of like sweet, earthy kind of smell to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll drink that a little bit more a little bit later because um, we're going to actually talk about what we brewed. But let's talk about the Sony MDR XB500. Now... I'm going to let you talk about it, and then I'll kind of explain what these headphones are and why we're talking about them. Um, yeah. So I did a side-by-side comparison with what would be an equivalent Sennheiser who was made kind of like at the, around the same time. Yeah. They, they, it's an it's a it's a newer Sennheiser than the XB500s, but it's about the same price point and, and everything like that. I don't yeah. know that it would be equivalent because it doesn't have as deep a ear cushions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're not really equivalent in build, just equivalent in what you would you would probably pay for them. Right. Um, I'll say the Sennheisers I did like better, but what I will give the Sony headset, it had a very good vocal range. You know, some of the highs and lows for the music weren't the best, but the audio from the, the people singing was really good. Um, I really enjoyed that part of it. And so, you know... I don't know what any of these cost, so I can't really give an objective thing. But I will say, in terms of a pair of headsets, you know, I've certainly listened to better, but I've also listened to worse. Um, especially if you're somebody that likes music that is really more about the the lyrics and the people interacting and singing, and maybe even those like mid note instrumentals would work really well with that. Mm. But if you're one of these like, you know people that really like electronic music that's in a lot of the upper ranges or like really, really deep basses, not so much. That's uh, that's kind of funny that you say that because XB stands for extra bass. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole thing about these is these, uh, the XB 1000 is like the tightest of them, but it's also has the deepest bass, the biggest drivers. And it is the, you know, I couldn't get my hands on those. Uh, they're like, they sell for like a thousand dollars. They were probably closer to like $300 when they came out, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I might be wrong about that price range. These um, were about 80 bucks when they came out. The Sennheisers are about $140, $150, I think is yeah. what I paid for them. I seem to remember I might have gotten them on sale, so they might have been more expensive than that. 
but don't quote me on that. They could I could have actually I could actually be wrong on that. I'll look those up um, just to see if I'm right or wrong on that. But the Sennheisers have a smaller driver. They're engineers to be a little bit different. However, um, the the Sony's are meant to like really give you head shaking bass because yeah. the drivers are so big and they they have that like big cushion that holds mm-hmm. it off your ear. So it's interesting that you would say, eh, they're not so much bassy. Now, in my experience with them, I could hear the bass, but I knew what I was listening for. And so it's very possible that the bassiness of the, um, uh, of the driver may be a little less in the XB500. The XB500 is supposed to be a little bit less tight. Mm-hmm. And a little bit more muddy in the, the between mid and base ranges. Yeah. So I could totally see where you'd be like, nah, you know, they're not as good. I yeah. love these. These are my travel ones that I normally take. The yeah, Sennheiser V1 um, V1s, and I'm, uh, you know, I've been I've had those for years. Um, just about every trip we've ever been on out to San Jose, mm-hmm. I've had a. Yeah, I recognize yeah. these when you pull them out. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say this because I think you know these are hev- the Sony ones are a heavily used headset that's a little old at this point. I wonder how much of that difference in like on the spec sheet what it's supposed to deliver and listening to it what it's supposed to deliver is just been lost in that time, you know? Because you know, bass is generally one of the first things to go on a on a headset the longer you listen to it. So you know, it that could be part of it. It's just it's a much older pair of headsets than your Sennheisers are. That, I mean, that's that's possibly true. Um, although, I I mean, headphones don't normally uh, kind of get like washed out like other things do unless they're really abused. And even though these have so like some things like where the pleather's flaking off and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and they do have like a chip on one of the the ends, mm-hmm. they've been fairly well taken care of. Um, you know, as, as far as like things like that go, um, they, they've got like normal wear and tear, but that could be, that could be the case. I mean, cheaper made headphones can kind of degrade over time. Yeah. Well, not even the cheaper. I mean, I'll tell you as somebody who in my youth was really heavy into bass, I mean, I'd buy the really heavy bass headphones and I'd crank the bass up on the software stuff on the audio player and all that. I have absolutely blown the bass out of some fairly expensive headsets before. Uh, now, they're not blown out as bad as these are. They, I, they're probably better taken care of than me just absolutely trying to get my skull shaking listening to music. Um, but, yeah, that, it just in my experience, the bass is generally that first thing to, to start to lower yeah. when, they, when they age. Probably, probably true. So I just look at this. These are contemporary headphones. I thought that these were older. The, the Sonys were older than they were. Mm-hmm. According to the review that I was just looking at, the original review that I pulled up, uh, from you know the headphone list, uh, they're from 2014. Okay. These are from 2013. Okay. The Sennheisers yeah. are from 2013. Yeah, then unless it was just uh, used pretty heavily, I can't give it any excuses. Yeah, and those were eighty dollars retail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says these were two hundred and sixty pounds, which is probably about uh, three hundred bucks, like uh, yeah, retail de- at the time. Yeah, depending on how the pound was valued, it's fluctuated over yeah. the years. But yeah, okay. Well, then that's that's also a more favorable lineup, right? Like if the if the Sennheisers are much more expensive, yeah. Then, so probably know. not the best comparison. Between well, that's the two. okay, but it, it was a good call out because since I walked in thinking they were similar price points, and this one was very aged, I was listening very closely yeah. to the range. So you know, 
I think you can also subscribe to, hey, it doesn't have as good as base, but it's also a third of the price. And that's a that's a fair thing, right? The, the, not a third of the price now. Yeah. <laughs> They're much more expensive. Yeah, those XBs uh, on eBay go for like uh, 200 bucks. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. I, okay. I don't know how much the Sennheisers go for, but they're definitely a better headphone. Yeah. I feel like they've picked up uh, either like a reputation or collector's sort of status to get that kind of price. Because the audio quality to me didn't really justify $200. They have picked up a collector's status. The XB, they're discontinued, you oh, know, all sorts yeah, of things yeah, like yeah. that. But, I, I mean, overall, it's a kind of a fun headphone. It's not modular. It doesn't have any of the, like, really great audiophile stuff, but for a less expensive headphone um, yeah, that's I mean, kind of has a classic, like, nostalgia status to it. Yeah. I mean, even at, like, its retail price, 80 bucks. I've had worse $80 pair headsets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, definitely. It's not bad for its price point. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really interesting comparison now that I, I, I for some reason i thought that the sennheisers were cheaper so that was my bad sorry guys totally screwed that one up anyway just got a more honest review <laughs> let's talk about the two terabyte ipod that you just like messed mm -hmm. around with so um ricky and i had some experience over the uh break where we modded a couple of ipods and one of them was a dismal failure i'll just go ahead and say that couldn't figure out why it wasn't it's because i bought the wrong ipod to modify the other one was a fantastic success. So the two terabyte iPod, that's a fifth gen iPod video I've had for since 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. I was around when I bought it. It was my personal one. I bought it brand new. Um, it's got all this, the faceplate still all scuffed up and everything like that. I've taken it apart a couple of times and like added extra things. I bought a iFlash card that has four um, bays in it. Uh, so I can put four micro SD cards in it, put four 512 um, gig uh, micro SDs. So it's got two terabytes of storage on it. And I have barely filled it up <laughs> with as much music yeah, as I have. I, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, even with a really large music collection, two terabytes is a lot of space for audio. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a fantastic amount, even with like, I'm, I'm trying to use like as high quality MP3s and um, ALAC because, you know, it doesn't do flack yeah. uh, as I can. And it's barely, it's like 500 gigs is yeah, what it's used. Exactly. I mean, I'm not sure over my entire life I could fill up two terabytes with music on those formats, you know, because even, even in the, the larger ones, I mean, you're talking eight megs a song, you run like a long song. Some so, of them, some of them can get up to be around like 15, 20 megs. depends yeah. on how, how long yeah. they are and all that. Yeah. But you know, that's still, you know, you, what is that? A thousand, a, a megabyte to a terabyte is a million. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a, a, me, a megabyte to a gigabyte is a, a thousand. thousand. Then a gigabyte, you know, so a million, one megabytes, you're talking 10 to 20. So knock that down a factor or two. That's still, you know, a hundred to fifty thousand songs. Yep, that's a that's a library for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and I have a huge library. I have. I mean, you see my audio collection. I have tons of CDs. I have tons of. Uh, I'm 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 still collecting re uh, records for the most part. Uh, I've just about gotten every CD except for new releases that I that I want. Um, and you know, I've converted ninety nine percent of everything that I've ever gotten into a um you know digital format and i've you know mastered them myself so well 
Ticketmaster isn't right. I convert them myself. I don't, yeah. uh, you know, like go out necessarily and buy them, but I take them and, you know, use a conversion software on my PC and convert them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that works out really well for me. But, you know, I, and I don't, the, the iPod is not the only way I listen to music. It's not the best way for me to listen to music. But when I want to go on a trip and I want to just sit and veg and listen to music on my way there or I'm going to listen to it in the car and I don't want stuff going boop, 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 boop. Mm-hmm. that's the best way I can do it. Yeah. Like having a little tiny digital audio player that I just pop in my pocket and carry with me. And I think the iPod fifth gen is the perfect size um, because it's got a, I mean, a size capacity to, you know, ratio of like size physically yeah. that is just unheard of. Jeez. I, mean, well, I was, I was trying to get a 20 gig, hard drive in my car at one point in time i had like an audio system and i bought this uh head it was i had a truck had a 150 tried to put all that in there and you know like that was thousands of songs i was trying to like make it so i could sync the wi-fi and stuff like that it was such a pain in the butt and this is so such a better solution than that because i can just carry it to location from another it yeah. doesn't sync over wi-fi and stuff but. yeah well here's the thing this generation of iPod and even the the ones before and a little bit after really hit, I think, the peak of standard mobility mm-hmm. because they were designed to be able to fit into a pocket, right? Of really any size, so it could fit in a vest pocket, it could fit in the kind of little small side pockets that you sometimes see in jeans and like regular size pockets. And it hadn't hit that idea yet that mobile meant, oh, it's clipped to your shirt, yep. so it's like you know the size of a badge, or you know you're wearing it on your wrist that sort of thing and uh you know it was also before we were really heavy and well music is just a part of your phone because a lot of mobile phones were designed for much like larger pockets Mm -hmm. or you know to be clipped to your belt and stuff like that at at the early days of personal consumer cell phones so you know i think you're right on that i mean it is perfectly pocket shaped yeah like even my wife's jeans that don't have very deep pockets it would fit in those so you know it's it's so easy to just carry it around with you and compared to like a competitor that we've looked at recently on the on the show, like the Zune, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that, it has the same basic feature set. Uh, I, I don't know. I in twenty twenty two, having a device like this or a CD player is so much better than. I mean, the convenience of having my phone with music on it is great, but it's so much better quality. It's you know, it's just. Anything like that, if I just kind of want to veg and I don't have interruptions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's just the, the best thing about it. If I want to just like zone out when I'm, you know, uh, disconnected from the, from the network. Yeah, it's a funny thing for a network engineer to say, but mm-hmm. I disconnect from the internet. I want to like type some code or, you know, like I'm trying to figure something out that doesn't need to necessarily be online. Play a video game even. This is like, and there I go hitting the mic. This is like the perfect solution for that, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a good a good answer to it. And I'm probably going to follow suit before too long because I'm going to do a lot of fishing this spring and summer. Finally renewed my fishing license and all that. And, you know, you want to bring your phone in case someone's got to call you. So like, I'll have that on Do Not Disturb. But if I want to listen to music while I'm fishing, I don't want notifications from from reddit and oh i got an email and oh i got this and oh i got that you know when you're looking to unplug you know you're probably always going to bring your phone for safety but you don't want to be on your phone while you're out there well next break i got the right model 
for us to make you an iPod mini like I did the 128 oh, yeah? gig. Yeah, right. so we'll be able to do that. Uh, and you can pick whatever size flash card you want, 256, 128, whatever. It doesn't matter. But I've got all the kit now to do nice. that. Yeah, should have all the kit to do it. <laughs> Hopefully I got everything right this time. Um, yeah, so, uh, well, speaking of that, that was the thing that went wrong. We tried to do one of these for Ricky, but using an iPod mini, which is doesn't have the video capability and all that stuff. And I bought the wrong model. Well, here's the thing, though. <laughs> it, I learned a lot more from working on that one. Because since it kind of had issues, we kept taking it apart and putting it back together, mm-hmm. taking it apart and putting it back together. Whereas, you know, the one that worked, we did it once. And yep. boom, we were done. We didn't go back into that model. So, you know, um, there was there was some niceness to it. There was education there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the, the education was there. I think it's a fun project to do. Mm-hmm. I've also got one of those um, uh, keyboard, uh, the little like uh, – um, Oh, I, I, I forgot the, the name of the thing uh, now, and I just lost my mind. But we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Anyways, it's one that you can put up underneath your monitor, and it has hot keys for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I yeah. Bought, bought one of those that we can assemble uh, during the next break, too. Nice. Should be a lot of fun. So be a little electronics project for us to solder together and have some fun with. All right, let's talk about brewing over the break. And this is the buckwheat honey where we're going to talk about okay. that. So uh, I, I had a monitor set up for Ricky. And he's been able to follow the topics up till this point because it just shut off. So I'm going to have to rectify that. But I'm going to let Ricky taste it. I haven't tasted it either. So actually, I'm going to cleanse my palate a little bit before I taste some. So you're pondering it. It's definitely not terrible because you went back for a second sip. Yeah, no, it's not terrible. It's, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it sour. It's a little bit acidic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, a, it's what, like a month and a half old. Yeah. Whoa. Well, it's, yeah, it's a little bit over um, a pH that feels super pleasant on the tongue, so it's got that bite to it. Yeah. But I mean, it's really not bad. I mean, that's pretty good in all honesty. So this has no spices in it. This is just buckwheat honey. Mm-hmm. Pre oak. No, this is with oak. Okay. Buckwheat okay. honey and oak. That's it. Okay. Um, that is. Compared to what it tasted like last time, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's not it's not perfect. I don't want to like go super high in on it, but I mean, for a first shot with this honey, with really nothing in it for the flavor except just the brewing process and some oak, I mean, it's mellowed out really well. Especially if you're saying a couple of days ago it didn't taste good. I mean, I'll drink this whole thing of it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so this is completely dry. It's like fourteen percent ABV. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm not 100%. It's somewhere between like 13 and 14%. Yeah. It is, um, you know, a uh, buckwheat honey. That's a, a, a raw buckwheat honey. So it had like all the stuff in it, you mm-hmm. know, and it had crystallized after I got it. Cause I got it in the middle of the winter. Okay, so in yeah. shipping it, it crystallized. Um, and well, no, it got too cold. It, it uh, started to kind of like congeal like it, like honey does when it gets cold, um, if you know what I'm talking it's about. It's the other way around. When it gets too hot and then cools down, that's what causes that crystallization. Well, yeah, I, uh, but I, what I'm saying yeah. is like it just it got too cold in the shipping. Um, it it came from a hot place and got cold here, basically. Yeah, yeah. well, the, the, I guess what I'm saying is if you get honey that hasn't been heated up, you can actually freeze it and it won't crystallize. Yeah. It's that process of it gets too hot and then it cools down. So before right. shipping got it, 
they, they did something and, and heated yeah. it up too much. Heated up too much or something like that, yeah. But anyways, the, all the sediments dropped out. Everything has really like worked for this. And I wasn't expecting it. I was, I was kind of thinking, mm, this is going to be a failure. So what I'm thinking is since I got three gallons and I probably can get a yield of about like two and three quarters, two and, you know, almost, you know, like three, eight or um, seven eighths or something like that, you know, mm. um, out of this, you know, maybe we split this between like three, one gallon batches and yeah. uh, we do some experiments with it. Mm-hmm. Back sweeten one, maybe hop one. Maybe put some spices in one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really, it's a very interesting flavor because I think um, the last time we made one of these with a different honey, it was very... Orange blossom. Yeah, it was very kind of like a scotch whiskey sort of situation. I think I described it as like, Mm -hmm. if you think of what those things would taste like before you distilled them, which isn't true because, you know, they're too sickening sweet, but like in your mind, it's just a sweeter version and like a more mild version of those. Mm -hmm. This one's almost more like a rum. Um, it's got that sweetness balance in it and it doesn't have all those other kind of aggressive seasonings like flavors to it. It's just that oak and that nice, mild, sweet earthiness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely like a dark rum. Oh yeah. Uh, in, yeah. in terms of things like that, I was expecting it to be from the smell a little bit more like a scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure with age, it probably, because the, the flavors will mellow, it will become more like that. I kind of want to leave one of these on oak, like mm. whichever one we do that we decide that we think would be like, or maybe just leave all of them on oak as we put extra stuff into them. That might be the way to go. Now that I'm thinking about it, just take the oak out that I've got in there and put it back into mm. it. Cause it'll, I, I sanitized it before I put it in there. Yeah. It'll just depend on, yeah. What flavor profiles you're going for. If you're trying to push it in that scotchy whiskey direction. Yeah. Leaving it on oak is probably a good idea. Well, I, I'm not trying to push it into anything. I, this is an experiment. I just want to see what happens. I'm definitely going to make this again though. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is going to be like, I'm almost going to like get online and order after we play D and D today. Yeah. Another one of these. Uh, batches um we also made an irish dry ale over the uh Mm -hmm. now i'm not sure how that one turned out because much like this one it had some cloudiness problems now i bottled it already Mm -hmm. i've put the carbonation stuff in it it didn't explode over the last like week and a half so um you know it's probably probably we'll probably drink some of it the not like um, the next time we record, because mm-hmm. um, it should be, you know, through at that point. But yeah, um, yeah, that's a uh, the I'm not as excited about the Irish Dry Ale, even though I thought I was going to be more excited about that. I'm a little bit more excited about this Boucher. Yeah, it turned out really well. Yeah. But the the Dry Ale, um, like tasting it, it's a very good beer. Okay. Um, it just it went completely dry. Like it, it is 1.001, I think, for mm. its uh, f- final gravity. So it's a little low for a, um, you know, an ale. Um, but it ended up being pretty good. I just, I, I put, um, I, I put something to try to like clarify it and it just didn't, it didn't work this time. I'm not really sure what it was. It might've been that I just let it stay over in here and it got knocked around too much. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what caused it to, to do that. But like moving it to my bottling bucket, it just had like a lot of cloudiness in it, which I'm I mean it won't hurt you, but yeah, 
not not my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And you've been doing kombucha. I have been. Yeah. Yeah, that's been fun. The first batch turned out really well, and now I've kind of devolved into doing test batches to try and understand the real kind of kombucha process because information you find online and even published is very kind of all over the place. Uh, You know, it's probably a long conversation to have in full, but the gist of it is, you know, in homebrewing, you can ignore it, but there is a lot of like math and formula available. You can really figure out um, almost at like a mechanical, like physical science level, what's going to be happening in that brew, what your ABV is going to be beforehand and things like that, that uh, they don't talk about in the kombucha community. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'll almost say a hundred percent certain that it's, it's present there yeah. because how could it not be? I mean, the it's only, the same, same sort of organism. Yeah. The only real difference between kombucha and brewing alcohol is that, is it an open vessel? So, you know, you, you generally in home brewing, you're keeping everything away from air because you don't want it to turn to vinegar. Mm-hmm. Whereas kombucha, that's the exact opposite. You right. want it to turn into alcohol and then very rapidly convert to vinegar because that's, that's what you're looking for. So I've been playing with how much sugar I've been putting in and measuring the bricks because you get people anywhere from, you know, they're saying 8 to 12 to 14% bricks. Well, not percent bricks, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like 8 to 14 bricks itself. And if you're brewing alcohol, like eight's a little high, 14, that's like wine level. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where a lot of people are, are getting some of these misconceptions that kombucha has to be very, very vinegary. Yeah. Um, kind of hard to swallow, you know, as a, it's a health drink. I think people tolerate a lot of that stuff because it's supposed to be really healthy for you. But I think there's a better way. Yeah, you know, I you, agree. You can tell me how you thought that first batch turned out, but I think uh, it went pretty well. I yeah, it it did. Um, I do have a plan to do a kombucha episode, so I think we're going to get like deeper into it uh, during that episode, and we're probably going to like talk about process and drink a, drink some kombucha along with whatever mm-hmm. brew we drink through that that thing. I've never had kombucha that I like, and I actually drank four glasses of that, so I think that just kind of speaks for it. I normally yeah. won't. I normally will drink a sip. I'll be polite, and then I just won't really finish the rest of it. Or if I'll finish it, just because I don't want to be rude, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I've never had like homemade or you know store bought kombucha that I thought was good. And I love tea. Like I drink tea all the time, sweet, non sweet doesn't matter i'm a southern boy you know <laughs> lipton's um you know orange blossom tea that is like you know a thing mm-hmm. that was just a staple in my life and and brewing it strong so i'm used to like all those things and kombucha just doesn't it doesn't hit that same sort of thing for me yeah i can, I can feel you there yeah but yeah i'm starting a new batch tomorrow which is going to be at a sugar level very akin to the first batch i did um so we might have some to drink in a, in a couple episodes Oh, that'll be good. Well, uh, this is the end of season five, episode one. And, you know, like I said, it'll come out on the 4th of April, 2022. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.